Welcome to the State of Waste for the week ending February 7th, 2021. For this episode, um, I'm going to give you a recap of some bills that I talked about last week. Also, a letter that Governor Inslee sent to the president of the Washington Education Association. And also, the 10 things that Superintendent Reichdahl wishes to accomplish this legislative session. There's not a lot of details provided with that, but I thought I'd read through the list for you so you can have some idea of what he's looking at accomplishing through this legislative session. So again, my name is Paul Jeffries. There's an email address if you do want to get information regarding a bill or want some more in-depth information, feel free to email me. I'd be happy to get back to you and let you know and try to answer your questions. So a quick recap. House Bill 1121, which is the Emergency Waiver of Graduation Requirements, that bill has moved into the K-12 or Early Learning and K-12 Education Committee in the Senate and actually went through public testimony and is already scheduled for executive session tomorrow. So this one's moving rather quickly. This one might be done and ready to go to the governor by the end of this week. So that would help us in trying to get kids across the bar as far as graduation. There is a requirement added in there that schools must keep track of what they're waiving and why they're waiving it as an accountability measure. So that currently is in there. We'll see if the Senate adds any amendments to that at all. House Bill 1131, that is the private school waiver that just matches the public schools. This one has not had any opposition at all. Moved right through the House, also scheduled for executive session tomorrow, went through the public testimony portion this last week. So that one may also be sent to the governor's office this week. So we'll see what happens with that. Those ones uh, should move, are moving very, really quickly. Senate Bill 5044, this adds the, to the professional development of cultural competency, adds the dismantling of systemic racism in the public schools as part of the training. That one has been referred to the Education Committee in the House, and that's where it's at right now. So no hearings have been scheduled for that one yet at all. So Governor Inslee wrote a letter to the WEA president this week, and in it, he's talking about school reopenings. Some interesting things in here that I thought I'd read from the letter. Uh, he does talk about educators during the period of remote learning, your members' innovation and creativity at maintaining a relationship with their students has been heroic, but all educators realize that the in-person relationship is magic and essential. I'm not sure about the magic piece unless we're going to teach magic. But we do have that. I think we've all come to realize that in-person learning is really the best way to go. The question really is how do we get there in a safe way? Oh, I didn't mean to say safe way. I'm not suggesting you go to that store. So the data that he presents uh, bases on what we know now versus what we know, knew then when we first started school this year. And the statistics that he has from schools that have been in session in a hybrid learning model is that 200,000 students have been in classrooms and there have been 87 documented instances of in-school transmission. This comes out to be a really, really small percentage. And I think there's some logic to this. As schools are required to toe the line as far as the protocols go for keeping everybody safe, that's going to be a lot more in control of people to do if students are in school. Like they'll be required to wear masks. They'll be required to keep distance. And at our school, we've talked a lot about if you're not going to do that, then you're choosing to, to learn remotely, which the kids want to be in school. And from a lot of the hybrid classes that have been going on, kids have been doing fantastic keeping their masks on because I think they want to be in school. And they know that to stay in school, they need to follow these protocols to keep everybody safe. So there is some evidence that suggests that 
it is safer for kids to be in school. There's less like less likelihood of transmission within the school because the protocols are followed. I don't know how many people have gone to the stores and you see people not wear masks and it's crazy because they just kind of choose and it's hard for businesses to really enforce it. So the schools can be a safer place for it. I do understand still the fear of it, but looking at the data and what we know now from this, it appears that schools are actually one of the least least likely places to have the virus transmitted. A compendium of data and science that he attached to the letter says that accumulating data now suggests a path forward to maintain or return primarily or fully to in-person instructional delivery. The preponderance of available evidence from the fall school semester has been reassuring insofar as the type of rapid spread that was frequently observed in congregate living facilities or high density work sites has not been reported in education settings in schools. This kind of goes back to there's a logic that schools would not be a high transmissible area just because we will be following the protocols and making sure that people follow them, I hope. So however, we have evidence to show that even prior to getting a vaccine, we can limit the spread of COVID-19 within schools by using the safety measures. We are committed to do, doing that. So it's rather interesting. I thought it was pretty brave of him to send something to the WEA president. And I don't know how many people are paying attention to what's going on in Chicago, but Chicago's having a major or a really hard time getting their teachers back to school, even in a hybrid model. And I and I do understand the issues of safety, so I don't want to to say that there aren't any safety concerns, but the data does suggest that schools are not a highly likely place to catch COVID if it's done correctly. The second thing on this is the superintendent of public instruction. I'm going to kind of go through these. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going over them because he didn't go into a lot of detail. He just outlined his 10 things. So the 10 things that he would like the governor and legislators to increase learning for all students include providing universal access to high quality early learning to our state's youngest learners, offer dual language learning for all students beginning no later than kindergarten, so including a financial benefit for bilingual education and school staff, that's kind of a big one. I think we would benefit from having students learn another language more than just the two years in high school requirement. Number three, substantially shrink summer learning loss in the long term and learning loss due to the pandemic in the short term by balancing the school calendar. This is actually a bill that's in right now that hasn't moved through a chamber yet, but they do want to balance the school cal calendar. That would not change the number of days. It'd be 180 days, but spread out over the year you wouldn't have that long summer break like we have now. So that all, that may be coming. Number four, completely overhaul early literacy and teach students using proven strategies that are grounded in the science of reading. Five, provide students with access to actionable and personalized high school and beyond planning beginning in the middle school. Six, create flexibility for students to focus their junior and senior years on a pathway to graduation and beyond that meets their unique interests. I do like that, that you allow students to choose their pathway junior and senior year and you tailor their education to what they are trying to accomplish. Seven, eliminate all additional fees for public school students in their last two years of high school pursuing their personal pathway through basic education options. That one, I think schools may have a problem with, like how do we cover those fees? If the state isn't gonna reimburse those fees, I'm not sure how, how schools can maintain just waiving all the fees. Number eight, transform the 24 credit system and seat time requirements into a pathway system. So as long as they meet all the classes that are aligned with their pathway, then they would graduate. It would not be based on the credits, it would be based on the classes. Nine, completely rewrite education governance in our state to empower decision-making in urgent situations and to reduce inconsistent education policy and duplicative efforts. 
And number 10, deploy an aggressive campaign to attract and retain teachers and support staff of color, which is a powerful way to promote student belonging, retention, and achievement. So those are 10 things that Superintendent Reichdahl is hoping to accomplish, and we'll see how close we get with some of those. I know there's a shortage of teachers right now, and there are a couple bills also. It's kind of a preview, a couple bills that we'll be looking at how do we get more teachers and how do we make it easier for them? They're eliminating the test requirement. Well, if the bill passes, they'd eliminate passing the test requirement and people could still become teachers even if they don't pass the test. So again, there's some equity issues as regards to test in order to get people to be qualified to teach. Okay, the only Senate bill that shows up here is that has passed that chamber is Senate Bill 5184. So Senate Bill 5184 is a foster care school contact this one pitched a shutout in the Senate. It was 49 to nothing. And it was not, there, are, there were no amendments that I saw. So what this would provide is that every K-12 school would have to have a contact that foster care would then have one point of one point person to talk to uh, as far as foster care students that are in the school. This I think is pretty important. And I think it would be helpful to have that one person to contact. And as a teacher, I think it would be important for me to understand which kids are from foster care because it just gives me a little more insight as to what their background story is. So that one has gone through the Senate. It has not yet been assigned to committee in the House, but I'm sure that this week it probably will be. That is the wrap for this week. Thank you. If you have any questions, I've put the email address on here again, and I'm going to try to get those links posted in the notes, so that way if you did want to look at just a quick summary of the bill, it would be there for you.